Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by RamVPN.com, the leading provider of next-generation online anonymity and VPN security solutions. Their architecture is unique, tamper-safe, and 100% guaranteed. They even accept Bitcoin. Listeners of the Organic View Radio Show can receive a 15% discount in three-month and six-month personal plans by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. Also, don't forget to check out our contest section on our website for your chance to win one of our cool prizes. For more information, please visit www.theorganicview.com forward slash contest. On today's show, Mr. Bruce Folkhart, who is the director of the National Intellectual Property Rights Coordination Center, otherwise known as IPRC, will be my guest to talk about a very interesting topic, counterfeit goods. He's going to explain why purchasing counterfeit products could not only make you sick, but can also support terrorist groups. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Bruce Folkhart. Good afternoon, sir, and thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. No problem, June. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Sir, before we begin, could you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Yes. I have 30 years of federal law enforcement experience. I am the special agent in charge of the Boston Field Office, as well right now as the director of the Intellectual Property Rights Center, which is based in Alexandria, Virginia. I will be taking that position over permanently in just about a month. So I'm kind of transitioning at this point. Thank you. What exactly does the Intellectual Property Rights Coordination Center do? Well, based on the 2008 PRO Intellectual Property Act, which was passed by Congress, my agency, Homeland Security Investigations, and we're part of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, was tasked with standing up the Intellectual Property Rights Center. Uh, which is what we've done. And so my agency, HSI, or Homeland Security Investigations, is the lead. We have generally will have the director's position, which I am in right now. But there are 23 total partners, including my agency, HSI, or Homeland Security Investigation agencies, that sit together in the task force setting over actually it's in Crystal City, Virginia. The majority of the people that staff the IPR Center come from my agency or Homeland Security Investigations. The FBI is second. Customs and Border Protection also has a couple of individuals. And then the remaining agencies, and we have regulatory agencies as well as uh, federal law enforcement agencies and some international agencies such as Europol, Interpol, the Royal Mounted Canadian Police, RCMP, and Mexican Customs all have one representative. And we sit there in a task force setting, and our responsibility at the headquarters level is to take in information, and we take in information and leads from a number of different sources. Uh, One of those sources is through our website, and our website is www.iprcenter.gov. And if you go onto our website, it's what we call the button, and it's to report IP theft. And someone, anyone, a consumer, a business, a company, uh, can click into that. They'll have an ability to 
provide us with information or potential leads of, of counterfeiting that's going on out there. So that's one of the ways we take information. We also have a tip line that people can call in, and that tip line number is one eight six six. The letters DHS, the number two ICE. So one eight six six DHS two ICE. What we do is we triage that information that we get from the public and from private industry and from other law enforcement agencies. And we ensure that the member agencies that sit out at the IPR Center are given the proper information to continue with investigations in the field. So, for example, if it's potentially counterfeit pharmaceuticals, we would make sure that the FDA investigators would have that information so their investigators in the field would be able to conduct their investigation. So at the headquarters level at the IPR Center, we don't per se conduct the specific investigation in the field, but we treat and we make sure that the field gets the proper information in a timely manner for investigation and prosecution. Thank you. Sir, I know when I spent time on your website, which is iprcenter.gov, I was overwhelmed with information. I could not believe how many things that are counterfeit could have a myriad of consequences. So could you share with our listeners some of the things that people commonly have no idea about when even something like a simple T-shirt, what the consequence really is by making that purchase. Sure, and, and it's it's great time to go into the three key points of the negatives or the detriments of counterfeiting. The first being that counterfeit products can absolutely be a hazard to the consumer, to the public. And you see that again and again with, for example, counterfeit pharmaceuticals, counterfeit medicines, people putting uh, personal care products, for example, pe- people putting lotions on their body uh, would, and c- can have potential negative reactions. I mean, we've seen it with electrical outlets. We've seen it with toys for children. This is all contraband as far as we're concerned. They don't pass regulatory standards. They're smuggled into the United States. So oftentimes it can be absolutely a safety uh, hazard or a safety potential to the public. We've seen it with car parts, for example. We've seen it with brake pads, airbags. And I like to say anything and everything that a counterfeiter can counterfeit will he will do that for a profit. There's a huge markup and low potential, low risk, especially if they're not within the United States, if they're manufacturing it overseas. And the majority of this, uh, probably between 70 and 80% of everything counterfeited comes from the Far East, predominantly China through Hong Kong. So that's one of the key points to think about, the health and safety to the consumer uh, is is first and, 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 and I think the most significant key point to consider. The second being loss of revenue for economies. And I say economies, I'm going to talk about that internationally. Obviously, the United States has the ability, uh, as well as the world, to lose jobs, for example. So if people are purchasing counterfeits, they're not purchasing products from the original manufacturer. So there's loss of jobs. In return, there's loss of revenue, revenue that gets put back into the economy. There's loss of taxes. There's loss of transportation fees. There's loss to the the person, the mom and pops that are selling the items, the salespeople. So all that gets rolled up on into that loss to the world economy. In 2012, it was estimated, the Department of Commerce produced a document that estimated that worldwide, the losses due to counterfeiting rise to the level of between 200 and $250 billion, 
which is staggering. So there's that whole economic uh, issue that goes along with counterfeiting. And then finally, that third key point that I want everyone to know is that counterfeiting is supported by criminal organizations. And I like to say criminal organizations support counterfeiting. So we've seen again and again where you have criminals, say for example on the southwest border, who are selling counterfeit DVDs. Those same criminals are turning around and investing those profits in drugs, in illegal narcotics, in money laundering, for weapons, for example. Just recently, the Charlie Hedbo terrorist attack over in uh, France, there's been some reports, and we're still trying to verify them, but there's been some reports that one of the terrorists financed his cachet of weapons uh, by selling counterfeit luxury goods. And so that's something that we're following. And again, it begets all type of criminality. Oftentimes, you'll see a forced child labor over in sweatshops, for example, that are producing this stuff human trafficking, human smuggling. So it just doesn't end with selling counterfeit. It, it begets additional criminality. So those are the three key points, health and safety issues to the consumer, the loss of revenue to world economies, including the United States, and the fact that it supports criminality. Please take a moment and explain just in further detail about some situations, for example, with the counterfeit auto parts, how some examples of things that have happened, as well as with, say, pharmaceuticals or even cosmetics, so that people that don't quite understand the ramifications of these purchases, what they could be in for by making that purchase. You would think that, okay, well, if you're at a flea market or something, what's the harm in buying a knockoff perfume or instead of spending top dollar at the local pharmacy to order them online, for example? What is the real harm that could come to that consumer? Well, it gets back to um, those three key points that I mentioned earlier, but I can absolutely give you specific examples. A couple of years ago, we, with our Customs and Border Protection partners, intercepted a what was labeled as ball bearings coming into the United States. And when we opened up the crate and found out what it really was, it was counterfeit airbags, and there was, I don't know, maybe 150 of these counterfeit airbags. And so we subsequently did an investigation and found out an individual in, in mid-America was importing these or smuggling these. Unfortunately, they were from China. And if you know airbags, you know that they have to deploy with a certain amount of resistance. And so these car airbags were actually wrapped in bubble wrap. So think about the potential while they were being flown over. You know, I don't know how they got into the United States. One of the carriers, either DHL or FedEx or whatever. But these are normally transported in cylinder, hard plastic cylinder containers. So if they did deploy, there'd be no you know, negative ramifications. But these were being smuggled over in, in bubble wrap. So you can just think about the potential for that plane to go down if one of them did. So anyway, we followed the case, we did the investigation, and we found out that uh, the individual in mid-America was selling these to mechanics around the country. And so oftentimes consumers will go to their local mechanics, and you as a consumer are not going to know the difference of uh, a legitimate original equipment manufacturer airbag versus this smuggled-in airbag. And so we worked with the National Highway Transportation Board on this particular case, and, and we did a random test of 10 of these airbags, Eight of them failed to deploy, and two of them exploded in such a, a harsh manner that it would have probably blown either the chest cavity off the uh, the individual oh or, or even higher. And so, you know, you, you think about you think about that and, and, and accidents that happen. 
every day and you wonder, you know, was, is some of this human error, of course, but was some of this faulty car parts, for example. So we've seen counterfeit uh, safety belts. We've seen counterfeit ball bearings. We've seen counterfeit brake pads, brake pads that you know, f- could potentially fail to work. So, yes, there's so many different hazards to the consumer. Pharmaceuticals, you don't want to be ingesting uh, things that have been adulterated, and and it can make you extremely sick, and I'm sure that there's been uh, issues around the world in which people have died, bottom line, because they've ingested this stuff. Same thing with with personal care products, rubbing something onto your scalp or creams into your your lotions, into your your body, where obviously – you know, there's a potential there to make you or to make your skin, you know, pretty caustic, and you, you're going to need some type of care going forward in the future. But, you know, again, we've seen it with, for example, a fire extinguisher. We we worked a case in which, when we did a test, the fire extinguisher actually enhanced the fire, and actually we have a video wow. we have a video of that. Also, we worked an investigation involving of chainsaws. I'll say continue. So we actually worked a case involving counterfeit chainsaws in which the chainsaws did not have a safety latch. And so someone who had turned it on would not be able to turn them off. But Yeah, that's really dangerous. I know after Hurricane Sandy, I actually purchased my very first chainsaw mm-hmm. and paid quite a I, I purchased mine in Lowe's. It was um, Actually, I don't want to promote Lowe's, but I purchased it in Lowe's and it was quite an experience. I couldn't believe how many heads turned when I walked to the cashier. I'll be the first to admit, I used it for all of 30 seconds, and then I handed it to my brother, and he had his fun just cutting yeah, up yeah. all the, the trees and whatnot. But it's a chainsaw is dangerous. Absolutely. absolutely. And if you don't know what you're doing, and, and God forbid if you have a defective component, whether it doesn't matter what it is, but some sort of defective issue with that tool, Exactly. You could wind up dying. That's that's horrible. Just curious. I just want to digress in regards to the counterfeit airbags and the brakes. What does a consumer do? Well, the consumer uh, needs to buy either from an original manufacturer, go take their car back to, to say the Ford or the GM because they know they're going to get the top product, or legitimate mechanics like a, like a Meineke, for example, legitimate mechanics where you know you're going to get original manufactured stuff, and that's what we say. And then the other thing that we tell the the buyer is buyer beware. If it sounds too good to be true, oftentimes it is. So if you're going to pay half of what you would normally pay uh, if you did bring it back to say your, your original manufacturer, you got to you got to raise some flags. You know what what is going on here, and that's something that you have to ask yourself. Can you ask your mechanic for proof as far as the purchase of that particular part? I know my mechanic deals with a particular distributor. And if I have any work done, he'll say, okay, I have to order the part and it'll it'll be in. And then he'll tell me when I can pick up the car. So is that something that a mechanic has to do? Or, I mean, I have that relationship with my mechanic, but say if I don't go to a major auto repair shop, Mm -hmm. say if you don't have the luxury of one, you live in the, in the country. Sure. Um, Sure. No, I would say absolutely. If, if, if your mechanic's not hiding anything, he's going to be upfront with you, yeah, 100%. And anything less, uh, I would probably go to a different uh, shop. Absolutely ask ask to see, you know, who's manufacturing this, where it's coming from, et cetera. Sure. Good point. In regards to pet medication, 
I know that there's a major problem with purchases online. When it comes to, say, flea medication or even different medications that a vet might prescribe for, say, a dog or a cat, what have you, say if a consumer makes that purchase online to some website where they have discount pet medications and whatnot, how safe is that? Well, again, it gets back to that point that uh, anything and everything of value that can be counterfeited will. And so you have to absolutely have to be suspect. Uh, I would absolutely talk to your veterinarian and say, is this, is this a legitimate website? Is this a legitimate uh, source for this manufacturer? And try to get some information that way. And that's a whole other issue that you bring up is the, is the globalization of the Internet and the ability for criminal organizations to hide behind their websites. And oftentimes they're overseas. They hire the best webmasters available to make these websites look exactly like a legitimate manufacturer. They're trying to dupe the consumer is essentially what they're doing. And unfortunately, uh, when you try to prosecute later on or uh, you know, try to you know, reach out to that country and extradite them, you don't always have success. But there is that certain anonymity, specifically if someone is overseas and they're uh, developing you know, and selling stuff, selling counterfeit goods on the Internet. So we do a good job. We actually have an operation called In Our Sites in which we will work with the uh, domain names to shut websites down, and we've gotten a lot of great cooperation with the domain names. But unfortunately, you shut one down, and oftentimes it's, they, they put 10 more up, and the, the crooks are aware of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's obviously a huge issue for us. And the other issue with, with, the, with the Internet is, you know, you mentioned the flea markets before. Generally, when a customer goes to a flea market, he's going to know up front, hey, if I'm buying a you know, fake Rolex, for example, for 10 bucks, they know it's, it's a fake Rolex for 10 bucks. But if they're online and they're, they're, they're buying a, a Rolex for half the price of what a normal Rolex would be, that can be a considerable amount of money. And so that's that's another that's a huge issue. Unfortunately, we've seen uh, websites selling golf clubs and golf drivers for maybe 80% of the value of what a real one would cost. Unfortunately, if you went to a, a flea market, and on, well, I say unfortunately, what you're getting is what you'd get at a flea market, and the thing's probably worth about six bucks. So you may be you may be spending three hundred dollars for a five hundred dollar driver, and if you were at the flea market, you'd be spending six dollars. But either way, if you're purchasing at the flea market or you're purchasing online, counterfeiting is wrong again for all those reasons that I mentioned earlier. One last question: We have a lot of young people that do listen to this show, and they purchase a lot of music, a lot of games, and a lot of movies. Are there any consequences to purchasing music, or as I said? any type of video game or even a movie online? Well, obviously the biggest negative ramification is people are losing jobs. People are losing jobs in the motion picture industry. You've got your directors, you've got your video people, you've got your salespeople, you've got your theaters. And so there's a loss of revenue all the way down the road when, when people are purchasing this illegally online. So uh, that's a huge issue for the economy, absolutely. But isn't it true that there's malware and all sorts of other files tracking different types of codes that can be 
downloaded without the consumer even being aware of it. That's ex- that can potentially harm your computer. Absolutely. And that's again, these are these are criminals. These are criminal organizations behind these websites and behind selling counterfeiting. So what's to say they're not going to put malware on your on your computer? Their their bottom line is the only thing they care about is the bottom line dollar. They care care about the dollar or whatever that is in that specific country. So they, they care about making a profit. They could care less about you. They could care less about your health, your welfare. They could care less about your computer being loaded up with, with malware. And those who actually do purchase stuff online, there's the potential for identity theft problems, um, you know, giving your, your true identity and your, your true credit card. And uh, you have that problem because the people on the other end will use that and, and purchase something themselves legitimately. So there's that whole issue as well, identity theft. And even if the website looks legitimate and they appear to have all the proper protocol with the security certificate and all that, it could still be one of these sites that's selling software as well as other products illegally. Absolutely. And so one of the things we, we ask the consumer to do is, is look on the website and try to get a, the phone number as to where you can call the brick-and-mortar store and pick up the phone and call the brick-and-mortar store and say, hey, I'm on this website. Is it legitimate or is it not? Usually you'll find someone in their IT department that will be able to help you legitimize this and say, yes, this is our site or this isn't our site. A good company that does sell uh, legitimately over the Internet will also have a phone number to call and a brick-and-mortar store to back, to back it, absolutely. What are the consequences for engaging in this type of criminal activity? Uh, well, you can be charged federally uh, by the federal government and prosecuted and do jail time. Uh, you could have your assets seized. If we can show that you utilize specific assets or made money by selling this, uh, that uh, leads that to be seized because it's uh, ill-gotten gains. Or sometimes we'll work with our state and local, our DA's offices, and there are state and local charges that they could face as well. Um, so what we'd like to do is, uh, like I'd say, throw the book at them, uh, and uh, hopefully they'll get as much time as, they, as uh, the judge will give them. Thank you so much. Sir, one more time, can you share with our listeners what the phone number is as well as the website? Sure. Well, the, the phone number is one eight six six. the letters DHS, the number 2, the letter the letters ICE. So it's 1-866-DHS to ICE. And our website is www.iprcenter.gov. And uh, you can go to the report IP theft button. Uh, it has our what we call our angry eagle. It looks like a, an eagle with his wings spread. And click here and you'll be able to provide us with the information. And we will investigate those cases ourselves or hand it off to the proper entity, including our state and local partners. Mr. Folkart, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know my listeners, and as well as myself, I've learned so much from our time today, as well as all the information on your website. I still am going to spend quite a bit of time. I, I'm just, I, I just can't believe that in this day and age, this is what's going on. It's like the Internet just seems to be a whole new playground for these people. Right. And I appreciate you, you June, and, and, and airing this for us because 
Uh, one of the things we do is we put people in jail and, and we, we prosecute, and that's one of the things the IPR Center coordinates with the field. Uh, but that's not all that we can do, and that's not all that we should do. One of the things that we have to do is message, and message to the consumer. Educate the public. Educate the consumer. So if we can take away that appetite, if the consumer knows, hey, there's a health and safety risk, hey, there's going to be a loss of jobs here, hey, this supports criminality, hopefully they'll decide not to buy counterfeits and that's the goal here so this is a huge opportunity for us I want to say thanks for helping us get the message out because you're never going to indict arrest and, and convict and seize your way out of this problem but what you can do is educate the consumer and that's exactly what we're trying to do take away the consumers appetite so I want to say thank you oh it's my pleasure as a very proud American, I also have a lot of listeners who are very proud patriots as well. I know that this is a very big concern, and it's also information that I think needs to get out there. I had no idea that by purchasing a knockoff, whether it's a T-shirt or a movie, what have you, was contributing to supporting these folks that are doing some really, really bad things. So thank you so much for the information. And, folks, there will be a companion article that will be available on theorganicview.com, which will contain all the information, especially if you're looking to report something that involves counterfeiting, as well as information about some of the topics that we talked about today. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Sawyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.